Well, good morning, everyone. Today, I have a message for you that was inspired by a conversation I had with somebody uh, last month. They said, well, what would the Bible say to people uh, in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, well, this is all still going on because 2020 ended, but 2021 kept going. In fact, the conversation had started that they felt like it was December 67th or whatever. You know, the 2021 was just going into the, or 2020 was just going into the new year. Is there anything in the Bible for us? And there is. And if you have an outline in front of you today, and for those of you joining us online, you can grab an outline at centeringlives.com. Paul wrote these words in Philippians 3. He said, No, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul was writing some Christians in the first century. He said, I haven't finished the race yet, but I'm pressing on. He said, the the Christian life is like a long race. There's going to be parts that are flat and smooth. There are parts that are uphill and difficult, but you press on and you don't quit. And that is what I believe God would want to say to us today. I'm going to be telling you about our annual report from 2020. I'm going to be telling you where we are in our devoted initiative with the new construction that we're having here in Prattville. I'm going to tell you about exciting plans for the future, but I'm not going to tell you that we won't face obstacles along the way. The pandemic is still going on. We all know this. But I do want to remind us, the scripture tells us no matter what our circumstances, we keep our eyes on Christ and we press on. If that's good news to you today, would you say amen? The Bible encourages us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, in 2020, we saw a lot of things in our church, in our country, in our families turned upside down. And gracious God, as we are now a month into 2021, we're not sure of the future, but we are sure of this. You want us to press on. Forget what lies behind and press on toward what lies ahead. I pray that today you'd open our minds as to what that means for us as individuals and for us together as a church. Pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Well, that prayer kind of tipped my hand on the whole outline for this message. Two parts to it. First of all, we need to forget the past and press on to what lies ahead in order to be the people God wants us to be. If I'm going to obey Paul's instruction, I need to apply it to myself first. Second part, we're going to talk about how it applies to us as a church. And I want to give you three implications of this. First of all, forgetting the past means letting go of the pain and the hurt and the sins of our past. We need to let go of those things and not allow those things to define us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul again, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. It is such a wonderful truth that I get to tell people all the time, no matter what your past, no matter what your history, no matter all the shameful and horrible and wrong things you've done, when you come to Christ, we can find forgiveness and we can be washed clean. If that is good news, would you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is a hallelujah moment. In fact, in Scripture, you find this. David, who wrote half of the Psalms, the biggest, the longest book in the Bible, he was an adulterer, a liar, and a murderer. And in Psalm 51, He tells God, he goes, I'm so grateful that you make me clean. Mary Magdalene, the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection, was once possessed by seven demons. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if you come to an Easter sunrise service this Easter, you'll hear about this again. 
it's such an amazing thing when you stand at a sunrise service outdoors, you think God had all of eternity to plan how he's going to announce that Jesus rose from the dead, and he chose a cemetery at dawn. Why? Because he, he chose the cemetery because he said he was proving that he, he had conquered death. And he chose dawn because the sun was coming up, and all the power of the sun was wiping away the darkness and bringing light and energy and life to the whole world. And that's why Jesus came. And then he chose Mary Magdalene to be there. She was the one who met him and went and told the disciples, I've seen the Lord. He's alive. And she was a woman from whom Jesus had cast seven demons. Why did he choose her? So he could remind everybody that he had crushed the head of the devil. Never miss this. I could go on with character after person after person in the Bible in every story, and you would see that God has motives in this. In fact, Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, greatest missionary ever, was a self-righteous religious zealot who tortured, imprisoned, and even helped murder Christians. And you know what he wrote about that? When he was writing to uh, Timothy, he said this, here's a trustworthy saying that everyone should accept. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. And he goes on to say, and the reason he did it was to show that if God could love Paul, then he could love anyone. Never think that you are disqualified by your past. You are not contained by your past because you have a new future because of what Jesus Christ has done in you. Oh, this is such good news. There's another scripture you got to hear. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Cleanse us from all wickedness. Never let anybody tell you that you are too damaged, your past is too bad, that God can't use you, you're worthless. It's not true. You're a child of the king. He's adopted you into his family. He loves you so much he sent his son to die on the cross for you. All your sins are washed away. The Holy Spirit is now inside of you, remaking you, changing you from the inside out, and enabling you to do whatever God needs you to do. That's why we press on. I'm not defined by my past. I'm defined by my Savior. That is the difference. And that's true in 2021 as it is every year. Secondly, forgetting the past means surrendering to God all my failures, successes, strengths, and insecurities. I mean, right before Paul said, press on, this is what I do, he gave a list of all these great achievements that he thought at one time had been great. He had grown up in a prestigious family, and he was of the right family lineage to be a spiritual leader. He had gone and studied under the best teachers, like going to the greatest seminary, and he'd earned all the right degrees, had the right pedigree to be a religious zealot, but it just turned him into a self-righteous guy who murdered people. And later on, as he reflected on this in Philippians 3, he said, I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so I could gain Christ and become one with him. He said, all the things I used to think were so important, they don't amount to much to me anymore. What amounts now is doing what God wants me to do. I press on into that. I don't have to impress people. And by the way, in that statement there, it's surrendering not only our successes, but also our failures. Because sometimes we do that too. It's not just our sins, but things that 
we didn't amount to much on some other things. And I even want to throw this out there. Sometimes we're defined by what people said about us. You might have had a coach or a parent or a teacher in school that told you you'll never amount to anything. And there are some of us here, that's exactly what we had drilled into us over and over again. And every time there's an opportunity, that's the thought the devil brings to mind. You're worthless. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And we can't be defined by that either. The opinions of what other people think of us. The opinion that matters is the opinion of Jesus. And he thinks I'm worth saving. He thinks that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can become whatever he wants me to be. And so I can surrender all my successes, all my failures to him. And I can press on. Thirdly, pressing on means surrendering all of my plans and all my understanding of how things ought to be. Oh, we do this a lot. We have these timelines mapped out. We even do this in a uh, football game. If we'd have just made that field goal in the first quarter, then we'd have won the game. Well, we didn't make the field goal in the first quarter. And we don't know if we'd have made the field goal in the first quarter whether all these things would have played out the way they did. That would have changed the whole game. And my wife is laughing because I do this all the time. Okay, this is what, we, what happens. But the truth is we don't only do it in sports, we do it in our lives. You know, if I'd have just had this opportunity in high school, if I'd have just gotten that promotion, if somebody else would have been there, then, then I would be here. And that's where I ought to be. Instead of accepting where God has us. Man, every team I played basketball on, whether in junior high, high school, or beyond, where I'm just, every time we had a timeout and we were behind at the first quarter or halftime, the coach would always go, hey, let's forget that quarter. Let's win the next one. Well, they weren't asking us just to erase our memories. They said, hey, put that one in the books. If we dwell on all this stuff the way we think things ought to have gone, then we're going to miss the opportunities that were right in front of us right now. And that's what we're talking about today. You intended to harm me, Joseph told his brothers, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This is after Joseph had been sold into slavery, convicted of a crime that he never committed, and eventually God used all those horrible circumstances to elevate him to the prime minister of Egypt, to position of prime minister in Egypt where he could save the lives of his brothers. The quote happens Decades later, when his brothers come to him and said, we sold you into slavery, you're probably wanting to kill us now. And Joseph goes, no. Don't you understand? That wasn't my plan for my life at all. This was God's plan, and let's all be grateful. He elevated me and allowed me to save your lives. And what if we thought of 2021 that way? 2020 didn't turn out the way any of us planned. That's guaranteed. But what if we said, hey, Lord, I want to press on. What do you have in store for me today? Here's where I am now. God, would you show me what's in store for me this week? Oh, that's a whole different perspective. This is what Proverbs 3 talks about. Solomon said it. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, and he's the one who will keep you on track. And he may take you to a place you never thought you'd be. But I can guarantee you this, if you and I trust in the Lord and press on, he's going to take us to a better place than we'd be on our own. 
Let this sink in. This is God's word. If I am going to make the most of this year, if I'm going to press on, that means I've got to let go of being defined by sins of the past, by what other people said about me in the past, even by my own understandings of how things ought to be. I got to say, nope, Lord, you know where I am and you're going to guide me. Praise Jesus. I'm not defined by my past. Mary Magdalene wasn't. Paul wasn't. Neither am I. Now, that's not only true for us as individuals, but the second thing I'd bring up today is it's also true for us as a church. We need to forget the past and press on toward what lies ahead in order for our church to be all that God wants it to be. I mean, we can't dwell on the past. And here are a couple of implications of that. Forgetting the past as a church means not saying things like, we've never done it that way before. I mean, we can't be trapped by that. This past year, in 2020, we had to do things, many things in some new ways. In fact, um, you, hopefully this morning, uh, uh, you got an email from me. It probably went out at 6 a.m. A lot of you were up just waiting for that email, I know. No, uh, <laughs> probably not. But at 6 o'clock this morning, it went out. If, we, if you didn't get one from us, just check your spam folder or contact us, and we'll make sure we get your email right. But the idea is it's an annual report. You can also get it at centeringlives.com, or you can get it on our app. But it gives you a report of where we went last year. And what I would tell you is, is, and if you guys could show them just a picture of what that looks like. Well, yeah, that's me. Anyway, but then uh, you move on here, but there's giving, there's missions, there's a report on children's ministry, on student ministry, there's a report on our budget, how we did financially. There's a report on all these things. And I hope that what will stand out from you, if you look and you read what happened, we had to do a lot of things in ways we'd never done them before. We weren't allowed to gather like we are even here in person this morning. For those of you who are watching online, we're grateful you're here. There were six months last year in 2020, all we had was online. And that changed the way we formatted almost everything. There were things we had to do like Vacation Bible School. Our children's ministry did that virtually. Very best summer. And families could do it at home. It turned out to be an amazing thing. Last year, we had one prayer meeting, a joint prayer meeting as a church in February before the pandemic hit. But then through Facebook... I was able to lead people uh, through a 40-day prayer journey last spring, a 21-day prayer journey right here in January. All those things were things I'd never done before. We'd never done before. We, had, we weren't able to go on mission trips uh, that took us to foreign countries. We weren't allowed to travel, but we were able to clean up after hurricanes in states all around us. God's going to do more things like that in 2021, and I hope that excites you. Listen to a couple of words from Scripture on this. Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland or streams in the desert. And the prophet Isaiah was saying, hey, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to understand. After he told them they would be in captivity, there would be a time when God would bring them back and make everything new. Well, I think that we have an opportunity this year for us to focus on and say, hey, God is doing some new things in the midst of all the stuff that's going on around us. God may have moved you into a new neighborhood with new neighbors. Well, that's a new opportunity to pray for people, a new opportunity to reach out. God may have called you to step up into leadership and maybe lead a small group via Zoom that doesn't even meet in person. 
I mean, we had some small groups. They weren't able to meet inside their home, so they met out under the carport where they could keep socially distant with plenty of ventilation. But they kept meeting, and they said, we're going to still keep meeting. We're not going to let this stop us. We're going to press on. And so forgetting the past, and he's not saying things like, well, we've never done it that way before, so we just got to shut down. Mm-mm. We've never done it that way before, so let's try it. Because God is leading us forward. We're going to press on. As a church, pressing on also means going wherever God leads us and not giving in to fear. Not giving in to fear. Whether you turn to the right or the left, this is a promise from Isaiah 30, 21, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he'll guide you into all truth. We don't have to be afraid. If God is guiding us, we'll know exactly where to go. In fact, the only time that we're in trouble is if we don't go when God guides us. This is what's going on in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Moses is standing at the edge of the promised land with the children of the people who wouldn't go in 40 years earlier. They'd been right there at the same place at the border 40 years earlier. And God had said, I want you to go in. They sent in 10 spies who came back with a report. There were giants in the land. Everybody became so afraid they wouldn't go in. And here's what Moses told their children. You were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers, the spies, have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people in the land are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Those were giants. And then I said to you, Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt and before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you didn't trust the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in the fire by night in a cloud by day to search out the best places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. Moses said, you wouldn't believe him. You wouldn't trust him. That's not how God wants us to be. Not as individuals or as a church. First, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. Hmm. A number of years ago, I was interviewing a family that was moving to France. They were called into ministry there. And it was a wonderful testimony they shared. It was in front of a live audience. And I was interviewing them. And they were talking about how God had brought them together in their marriage. Had blessed them with a wonderful family. Three beautiful kids. And now he was calling them into ministry in France. And I said, man, this is wonderful. And, um, and then a question popped in my head that I hadn't thought of. And I said, well, but aren't you worried about how your kids will fare? You know, moving them over to Europe and other things. Instead of raising them here next to grandma and grandpa and all that. And the guy looked at me. He goes, John, seriously? You're going to ask me that? We just spent all this time talking about how God brought us together as a couple. He blessed us with children and called us into ministry. Are you seriously thinking that when we land in Paris, God's going to turn to Gabriel and go, Gabriel, they got kids. I didn't know that. This is going to mess up their whole family. He goes, John, God's the one who brought us together. He gave us the kids. If he's calling us to France, he knows our kids are coming along. 
Now I share all that with you to remind you the same thing is true for us as a church. This past year, on numerous occasions, people would talk to me. They go, you guys are still going ahead with building this building in Prattville, this facility? And I went, well, yeah. I mean, if you talk to our elders, they will tell you to a person, every single one of them, that we've been praying about this for a long time. And God led us to this piece of property, and it was not even our timing. In fact, they would laugh out loud if you told them, man, you guys chose the perfect time because this was delayed a lot longer than we ever thought it would be when we first started looking. And now that we have this piece of property, it turns out that there's houses coming in all around us. We couldn't have picked a better place if we'd have tried. Well, why would we have confidence to go ahead? Because the same God who led us there knew the pandemic was coming. The same way that he knew these friends of mine were taking their kids to Paris. Let me give you an update on this. I mean, uh, this is the building that will hopefully be in place at the end of this year along McQueen Smith Road. Okay, if we go to the next slide, we've got earthwork going on. If you go out there right now, you'll see curbs and gutters going in, some sidewalks going on, some streets, sticks to the property. We had a groundbreaking back in September, and the future's looking bright. There we go. I love that. Um, this is an outline of what the pad looked like a few weeks ago, uh, just as they were getting all the rebar tied up to pour the concrete. And then the other night, just Thursday night, I think 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning, um, or Thursday, uh, they had a a concrete pour, and you can see the booms coming over, and uh, they started pouring the concrete, and that went on. About half of the slab is poured already right now, and the other half will be poured in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully there'll be steel going up. Because God has called us to this community. He's the one who led us to that piece of property. He's the one who put on our hearts to proceed, and he knew the pandemic was coming. And we had great confidence because all of y'all, as we went through this last year, Many of you continue to give. Now, we've come a long way, and if we're going to press on, we need you to press on in giving, too. We're not at the end of the road yet. But, guys, this is what God called us to do. He's given us a tremendous ministry platform, families moving in all around us, and we're going to go ahead because this is where God is leading us. And if that encourages you, would you say amen? amen. We are not people who live by fear. We live by where God's leading us. If God had told us to stop, we'd have stopped. He did not. And that is terribly important for you and me to understand. I thank God for the leaders we have here. We're doing our best to listen to Jesus. Finally, I want to remind us that pressing on means not giving up. It means not giving up. Three things. Not giving up on the ministries to which God has called us. We're not going to stop. Like I said, if we've got to find a new way to do connect groups, let's find a new way because people still need to get together. If we can't go to missions overseas, can we go to missions in West Montgomery? Well, then let's go there. We've got to do this. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. This is not the time for us to quit. It's the time for us to press on. We also don't need to give up on each other. Galatians 6 again. Paul said, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. 
share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. You're not. Neither am I. You want to break John Schmidt's heart? I've had it broken a bunch of times this last year. I talked to people who have drifted away from church. They haven't been in contact with other Christians in worship or in small groups or in anything for months. And all of a sudden, their marriage is in trouble, and their attitude is that of despair. Old sinful habits are coming back, and they go, I don't understand what's happening. I go, don't you understand this? We're in a spiritual warfare. The devil isn't socially distancing. I don't know if you haven't figured that out yet, but he's not socially distancing himself. And he would love to pull us into old sins. He'd love to pull us apart. He would love to fill our families with anger and unforgiveness and rancor so that our lives are terrible. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that's why we lean in and we restore each other. And then when I get a chance to meet with people and we spend time together in prayer and in fellowship, they go, oh, this is what I needed. I go, it's what we all need. We need each other. We're going to press on. If we need to, do, we need to find new ways to make that happen, then Lord, show us the new ways. And finally, we're not going to give up on our unbelieving family members, friends, and neighbors. God still calls us to be a bright light in a dark world. I believe that now more than I've ever believed it. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and this was before the Internet and before social media. Amazing. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Here's why. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth, and they'll, then they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, just like we did, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants, just the way we were. Do you know that this year God is going to place people in front of you and me who need Jesus, and we get to be the ones who show them hope and encourage? We get to be the ones who press on in spite of difficulties. We get to be the ones who say, I'm not framed by my past. We get to be the ones who show them that. This is our time to press on. Oh, I hope you're encouraged today. I am excited about the year ahead. Not because there won't be giants in the land, but the same God who doesn't define me by my past is the same God who goes before me in my future and says he'll fight the enemy on my behalf. This is good news. Let it soak in. We are good news people. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I just pray that you will make us people of good news in a world where we hear lots of bad news. Father, we are warned not to get involved in foolish arguments, and we're surrounded by foolish arguments, by people who just want to start fights all the time. Lord, let that not be us. Let us be gentle and kind. Lord, I pray that we will not believe the lies of the devil, that we are failures and worthless, that we've been compromised in the past. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't, stock, we wouldn't put any stock in our great achievements of the past either. We'd just say, Lord, I am who I am. You brought me here. Pray, Lord, you'd open our eyes to people who need hope and encouragement, to people who need forgiveness and truth. And God, I pray that we'd be bright lights. 
God, I pray for our church as that cement is being poured on this facility in Prattville. But gracious Heavenly Father, I pray we'll never forget that you're the foundation of this whole church. That every day that the doors are open in that facility, those doors will be open to bring people to you, to grow people up, to train leaders, to send people out. God, help us to press on. Give us courage so we can face the future unafraid. Lead us. We're not going to presume and just mean that means we just go do whatever we want. Lead us. And wherever you lead us, we're going to follow. If that's your desire, if this is your heart, then together as God's people, let's say, Lord, help me press on. Let's say that together. Lord, help me press on. In the name of Christ, amen.